1: There's a ring of truth that is unstable Knowing that you cannot find them all And if you listen carefully and sometimes Even if you don't, you can hear
0: that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word.
1: Again, think about that. God made you who you are. And God brought, or God allowed, the circumstances that have come into your life to shape you into the person that He wants you to be. And He has allowed the trials and the tragedies and the triumphs To make you, you. It was all part of his design, all part of his plan to make you who you are.
0: Ring of Truth, Isaiah 25 to 29. 25 part 1. Do you know how special you are to the Lord? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he reminds you of your identity in Christ. When the Lord looks at you, he sees his workmanship. He's crafted you uniquely to him. Pastor Dan encourages you that God made you and knows exactly how He has designed you to be. The Lord knew you before you were knit together in your mother's womb. Every circumstance in your life, God has allowed to mold you into the person you are today. Continue to let God refine you to His image. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: Isaiah 43. We're also going to look at a passage in Romans chapter 4, Ezekiel chapter 47, and Ephesians chapter 1. Romans chapter 4, Ezekiel 47, and Ephesians chapter 1. Seems like it's been a couple weeks, maybe two weeks or three weeks, since we've been in our our Isaiah study. And if you remember, the book of Isaiah has two divisions to it. Uh, Chapters 1 to 39 are the first division, and then chapter 40 to 66 is the second division. And so we're in chapter 43, we're in the second half of Isaiah. And Isaiah, he writes this book to the people of Judah, and he writes it to them before they are conquered by Babylon and carried away in captivity. But this section of Isaiah, he writes to the people of Judah who will be in Babylon, who will go into the captivity. So he's writing this section to that future generation that will be in Babylon and and enslaved by the Babylonians. So he's writing before the Babylonian captivity, but in this section of Isaiah, he is writing to those who will be in the the captivity. Uh, In verses 1 to 7 of chapter 43, The Lord comforts his people and he exhorts them not to fear, not to be afraid. In Babylon, they will be fearful. They will be fearful because of their circumstances. They'll be afraid. Uh, Just like you and I at times were fearful. You and I at times, we become afraid because of our, our circumstances. We feel overwhelmed at times because of the things that come into our lives. We feel anxious about our circumstances. And so I want you to pay attention tonight to what the Lord says to calm the fears of the people of Judah and to comfort their hearts because it speaks to us as well. It's words of comfort to us. He says in verse one, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And the Lord says to to Jacob, which is another name for Israel, and he says to us, fear not. Don't be afraid. And here's why we should fear not. Look at the verse again, because God has created you. He has formed you. He has redeemed you. He has called you by your name. You belong to him. And so there's no need to fear. There's no reason to be afraid. He says again, God has created you. God has created you. You don't exist just because your mother and father got together and had a baby. God created you. You've been created by God. God intentionally and thoughtfully created each one of us. And this word created here of your note taker, it's the Hebrew word bara. It's the same same Hebrew word that's used back in Genesis 1 when it talks about God creating the heavens and the earth. It's the word, the Hebrew word bara that means to create out of nothing. To create out of nothing. In other words, God, listen, God thought you up. God thought you up. God Created you. He came up with the idea of you. He created you. He thought you up. I want you to just think about that for a moment. And sometimes we can feel like, you know, life is so random. But what the word of God tells us is that God created us. He came up with the idea of you. And created you. And he made you. Down in verse 7, God says, I have created you for my glory. Glory. That's why you and I were created by God for his glory In revelation. It says that we were created by God for his pleasure. And so God created you. You are his creation. He came up with you. And you exist. For his glory. And his pleasure. You see that that brings just meaning and purpose to life. To know that God is the one who thought of you and created you, came up with the idea of you and he created you for his glory and for his purpose and for his pleasure. You now, it says in the Psalms in Psalm uh, 100, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We didn't create ourselves. God created us. We are his people and the sheep. Of his pasture. He's our shepherd. We're his sheep. We're his people. He created us. We didn't create ourselves. Mom and dad didn't create you. God created you. He created you. Look at verse 1 again. It says, and he formed you. And in our minds, that might be the... We might think that's the same thing to create and to form, but it's a different word in the Hebrew. And here, when it says that God formed you, it means that God fashioned you. He molded you. Literally, he has squeezed you into a shape. In other words, God made you who you are. Again, think about that. God made you who you are. And God brought or God allowed the circumstances that have come into your life to shape you into the person that he wants you to be. And he has allowed the trials and the tragedies and the triumphs to make you, you. It was all part of his design, all part of his plan to make you who you are. In the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 uh, verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It says we are his workmanship, God's workmanship. The Greek word there is poema, his work of art, his creation, his masterpiece. If you imagine God as, you know, the master sculpture uh, artist, you know, and And we're the clay, he's the artist and he forms us and he fashions us and he creates us into who he wants us to be. This masterpiece, this work of art and Romans, it talks about how he works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And then the next verse, we quote that verse, but the next verse talks about how he he's working all things together for good to conform us into the image of Jesus. To mold us and shape us and to make us like Christ. He's he's forming us. And so he created us. He formed us. Look at verse 1 again. He redeemed us. And Isaiah uses the word redeemed or redemption or redeemer a lot in this book. Because the children of Israel need redemption. They need a redeemer. The Hebrew word is goel. It's speaking of the kinsman redeemer. It It means to buy out of slavery. Someone who was redeemed couldn't redeem themselves. They couldn't get themselves out of the situation they've gotten themselves into. They needed someone else to step in on their behalf and redeem them, rescue them, buy them out, pay their debt to get them out of the situation that they're in because they can't buy their own way out. He's redeemed Israel. He's redeemed us. The Bible says God has redeemed us from our slavery to sin. And the price he paid for our redemption is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is the redemption price that was paid for you and me. We couldn't redeem ourselves. We needed Jesus to redeem us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, when we were utterly helpless, Jesus Christ died for us to redeem us. And I want you to, I want you to not forget the context here. He's writing this to those who will be in in slavery and Babylon. He's writing to people who have been ripped from their homeland and carried off as slaves into a foreign land. They're living as slaves in Babylon. And God writes to them through the prophet Isaiah and says, don't be afraid because I've created you. I have formed you and I have redeemed you and and. I have called you by your name, like a shepherd calls his sheep by name, right? John chapter 10, Jesus, our good shepherd, said he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them. And here God says, I have called you by your name. You're my sheep. I'm your shepherd. And he's saying this to people who are in slavery in a foreign land. And at the end of verse one, he says, you're mine. You belong to me. And what a comfort this must have been for the children of Israel that were in Babylon as slaves to read these words and to hear God say, you're mine. You belong to me. And yes, their circumstances were difficult, but God communicates to them. You still belong to me. The relationship hasn't changed. I'm still your shepherd. You're still my sheep. I'm still your father. You're still my children. The relationship hasn't changed.
0: You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We'll have more from this message in a moment, but first, we'd like to tell you about an exciting resource available this Christmas season. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you more.
1: Christmas can be a very busy time of year for most of us, and in our busyness, we can forget the reason for the season, Jesus Christ. So my wife, Cameron, wrote a wonderful daily devotional called 31 Days of December, This simple devotional is written for women and is designed to help you keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas season. We would be happy to mail you a copy as our thank you for your investment of any amount in this daily radio ministry. To receive your copy of 31 Days of December, visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. Now let's finish today's message. Now look at verse 2. When you pass through the waters, this is the Lord speaking, I will be with you and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God will be with them in their trials and difficulties. And note here that God does not say you will not have to pass through the waters. And he does not say, you'll never have to walk through the fire. He doesn't say that. No, instead, he says, you will pass through the deep waters and you will walk through the fire. But the promise here is that God will be with them in the water and God will be with them in the fire. That God will go with them and he'll protect them and preserve them and bring them through it. It's similar to Psalm 23, where the psalmist says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We still have to pass through the valley of the shadow of death, but the difference is God is with us now and God goes through the valley of the shadow of death with us so that we don't have to be afraid. It's not that we, now that we are Christians, now we we never have to go through a trial. We've never got to go into the deep end again. We never go through the fire again. There's never the valley of the shadow of death again. No, now we're going to go through. That's unavoidable. Everybody goes through those things. The difference for us is now we can go through it with God, with the presence of God. And so he says here, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you, although it may seem like they will. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Now, in your Bible, you should write in the margin there, Psalm 66, verse 12. Psalm 66, verse 12, because in Isaiah, God makes this promise to his children. Hey, when you go through the water, I'll be with you. When you go through the fire, I'll be with you. I'll see you through. And then Psalm 66, verse 12 is written at a later time after they've gone through the water and after they've gone through the fire and in psalm 66 verse 12 the children of israel say we went through the fire and we went through the water but you god brought us out to rich fulfillment you brought us through and you brought us into abundance you know so you've got this promise in isaiah 43 and you've got the the delivery on the promise and psalm 66 where the children of israel can say you brought us through. You brought us through the water. You brought us through the fire. You brought us out with abundance. Now look at verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And so it's not just anyone making these promises. It's the Lord your God. It's the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, who is making these promises to Israel, to the people of Judah. And so they can count on him to keep his promises because of who he is. Just like us, we can count on God to keep his promises to us because of who he is. He's not just anyone making promises to us. He's the Lord God. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's our Savior who's making these promises to us. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Saba in your place. Now, This is referring to Cyrus, the king of Persia. Cyrus, the king of Persia, will defeat the Babylonians. And Cyrus, the king of Persia, he will liberate the Jews who are in captivity in Babylon. And he will allow them to go back to their homeland, to return back to Israel, return back to the promised land. And what verse 3 is telling us, and what it's referring to, is the Lord will reward Cyrus By allowing Cyrus to conquer Egypt, Ethiopia, and Saba, which are all there in northern Africa. And notice it says, the Lord will give these lands as a ransom. Interesting. They're a payment to Cyrus for delivering the children of Israel, for delivering God's people. Now look at what God says in verse 4. To the people of Judah, he says, Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. God says, Because Israel is precious and honored and loved by him, he will give men in exchange for her. So Israel need not fear because. God loves them because God loves her. Israel is precious to God. The word word precious here, it means Israel is prized by God. Israel is valuable, the the people of Israel. She's honored, she's loved by God. And and so too with us. We need not be afraid. We need not fear because God loves us. We're valuable to him. Uh, So valuable that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. To save us and redeem us. That's how valuable we are. You know, in Romans, Romans chapter eight, verse 32, it says he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We know we can be confident that God will give us all that we need for life because he didn't spare his son. He's already demonstrated his love for us by sending his son to die for us. He's already paid the highest possible price to purchase us. So, of course, he's going to give us what we need now for life. Look at verse five again. Again, God says, don't be afraid. Fear not, for I am with you. In the Bible, that's always God's answer to our fears. He's with us. His presence, that's always his answer. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, don't keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him another reason that Israel doesn't need to fear is because the Lord promised to bring them back into their own land, and he will be faithful to keep his word. He promised to bring them from the north and the south and the east and the west and to bring them back into their land from every direction and and restore them back into their own land. And this is, this is speaking in the immediate about them returning from Babylon and from the captivity in Babylon to their own land. But it's also speaking about the regathering of the Jews in their own land in the last days, from the four corners of the earth, from the east, the west, the north and the south. God will bring them back into his land. And we see that being fulfilled today with the Jews returning back to the land of Israel from all over the world, from every continent Back to the land of Israel, just as God promised. He's regathering his people. Now, again, the context here, though, he's writing this to to Jews that are in Babylon, that are slaves, that are not in their land. And he's writing this to them. And and they're reading these verses and reading these promises. And these promises must have seemed impossible to them that they would ever return to their own land. They have to accept these promises on faith, right? Just like us, we accept the promises of God on faith, not by sight. And sometimes circumstances seem impossible. Things just look impossible. We don't see how any way this will work out for us or for our good. But we just believe the promises of God and his word by faith. That somehow he's just going to work it out, even though it looks impossible to us. He's still going to work it out because he's faithful to his word. You remember Abraham. Abraham's called the father of faith and how he believed the promises of God, even though what God promised was physically impossible for Abraham and Sarah. If you turn with me over to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four, God promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham believed God's promise by faith. If you look in Romans chapter 4, verse 19, speaking of Abraham, it says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, she was 90 years old. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform.
0: We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton today for Ring of Truth. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from Pastor Dan, They're available to you at our website, calvaryec.com. We'd also like to take a moment to invite you to partner with us here at Ring of Truth. Would you consider investing in this ministry financially? Your investment of any amount will be used to bring these daily Bible studies to you and other listeners. Throughout this month, as our way of saying thank you for partnering with us, we will send you a wonderful devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple daily devotional written for women is designed to keep your focus on Jesus during one of the busiest months of the year. The devotional begins on the first day of December and walks you through the story of the birth of Jesus in daily, bite-sized pieces. It's the perfect tool to keep Jesus in the forefront of your Christmas season. To get your copy of 31 Days of December, call us at 410 491 4592. That's 410 491 4592. Or visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. That's calvaryec.com. We will gladly mail a copy to you. Thank you for partnering with us and thank you for listening to Ring of Truth.
1: signs and I
0: recognize